All right, Golf Addicts, this interview with Nick Hardy is great. Listen, you guys might be somewhat familiar with Nick as he was a rookie, or he, had, he was a rookie on the PJ Tour last year, um, had, had a wrist injury midseason. This dude's great. He, we had a great time. We talked about a Big Ten championship and peeing his pants in the tournament. We did a social media time travel, and if you can watch the podcast on YouTube, you'll see some of the pictures. But even if not, we had a funny time breaking down some old pictures of Nick on his Instagram feed. Obviously, we talked about his game, the courses he loves, the courses he's really not a big fan of. Uh, and then we had some fun with him there at the end, Two Truths and a Lie. We had a big-time urine discussion podcast with Nick. Kind of weird, but also kind of fun. Nick was a great time. Hope you guys enjoy the interview. If you do, please do consider leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Write something nice. Drop five stars in. Even if you've done that before, if it's been a couple months, do it again. Apple will will refresh it. It helps us get discovered, and it's one of the nicest things you can do for us. It's free other than maybe the two minutes it takes you to do it. That would be nice. Also, you can leave a review on Spotify. We'd appreciate that as well. And, uh, yeah, more of these to come, more interviews to come. But for now, let's get to, uh, to Nick Hardy. He was a good time. Here you go. What's going on, Golf Addicts? DB here with another solid interview for you. You guys probably already know this dude. Nick Hardy joins us. Nick, we appreciate you being on the show. We're going to have a good time with you today. How's it going? Good. Thanks for having me on. Of course. All right. I want to get this out of the way, Nick. I, I got to hear this story about a Big Ten championship and pee in your pants. Tell the story. <laughs> um, yeah. So we were on about the 15th tee box at Baltimore Country Club. Uh, I think it was my junior year, um, maybe my senior year, but, uh, whatever. My teammate was younger. Um, I, uh, we had a big backup on the 15th tee. I believe it was the second round of three round tournament. And, uh, it was probably three groups on the tee. It was just a a really big backup. Everyone was waiting a long time. And, uh, me and my teammates on the tee box at the time were kind of goofing off. And, uh, I think one of them went over in the trees and, you know, did his business over there came back um and he was like laughing at me and i'm like what are you what are you like smirking about and i kind of looked down and i saw why and, <laughs> and he's just kind of a very uh sensitive maybe a little awkward uh freshman at the time and um <laughs> i just knew his personality and i knew that uh he was kind of you know embarrassed and uh because there was a bunch of people on the tee box maybe a bunch of family and friends watching and um I think we were wearing kind of like a lighter colored pants at the time. So it was pretty obvious. And, uh, I'm just, <laughs> I just laughed at him and I, I, I kind of went and did my business as well right after. And, uh, I came back and it was kind of a funny joke at the time. I, I, th- I just thought it was funny to do. And, um, <laughs> he, uh, I think he appreciated it more than I thought he would. And so he went over, uh, he was the next group up right away. He hit his tee shot. I think he says, I think it was pretty close. He hit it like a five iron inside 10 feet, made the putt. And I think he gave me a little more credit than uh, I should have gotten, but he's, he said that, uh, you know, it really helped him. So I, I'm glad it helped him. And we, uh, finished that day strong, I think. And, uh, yeah, it was just a funny thing. I didn't really think much of it. I just kind of did it as a joke, did it, did it to kind of make him laugh. And, uh, I think it really helped him, I guess, cause that's what he says. So um funny what a guy what a guy you are nick hardy bravo to you man that's awesome that's really funny uh you might be too young i don't know maybe not um did you ever see the movie billy madison oh yeah if pee in your pants is cool consider me miles davis when the when the old lady says that i don't know i just thought about uh i just thought about that when you uh 
when I when I saw that story. That's pretty freaking funny, dude. I, I want to kind of get started with some funnier stuff. I think this could be interesting. So I also want to do something. I'm, we're going to do a social media time travel. Okay, Nick? I'm going to pull up some of your social media con- content over the last uh, few years, and we're just going to talk through what we see. The first picture here is uh, you, I guess, with the goat. Is this at, um, is this at Chambers? Is that where that is? Yeah, that was Chambers Bay, my first U.S. Open. It was on the Sunday before uh, the tournament, so it was well before the tournament started, and we were the only two basically on the course, uh, and we wow. were both on the screen. And so like, I was really, really nervous because obviously – Tiger Woods is like yeah. my idol and I think it's everybody's, but you know, there's certain people when you're around them, um, in person, you're like, wow, I can't believe they're real. And like <laughs> Tiger's one of a few people for me that when I'm around him, it's like, geez, like this just, he doesn't feel like he's human to me because he's like that big of an idol to me. And, yeah. um, I was, you know, I, I don't think you can tell by that picture, but my legs were shaking. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you didn't get to play a practice round with him or anything. You're just on the putting green with him. No, just on the putting green. First time myself like going up and introducing myself and uh he couldn't have been nicer how uh any interactions with him since then yeah a couple i i uh i asked for a couple pictures since then but uh just other than just seeing each other and yeah crossing by in a parking lot or something uh, it was it was nothing else but um that was that was a time that struck me for sure <laughs> i could imagine like yeah like the moments the moments between when you decide that okay i'm gonna walk up and introduce myself and then the moment of actually introducing yourself, I, I can imagine that would be very nerve wracking for, uh, you know, for a young up and coming golfer walking up to Tiger Woods. That, that would have been another yeah. situation where I, w- I would have seen it completely normal had you peed your pants again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, uh, that's pretty cool. All right. So let's look at the next one. These are going to get fun. What would you have told this guy about <laughs> what's to come? I think that's you in the middle. I, I'll, be sh- I'll be surprised if it's not you in the middle, but. Uh, you know, for those of you listening and not watching, uh, young, looks like a youth baseball picture of Nick. So thinking back to that kid, what would you have told him? Like, what would you have prepared him for? Maybe something you would have told him to do different, something like that. You know, I, it's hard for me to say because, um, I feel like I'm lucky and blessed myself to have given or have given knowing what I know now, I feel like the path that I kind of ran on athletically you know, personally, the path was made for me. And I I feel like there's nothing that I regret of that. So it's hard for me to go back and tell Nick back when I was 12 playing travel baseball, like to do anything differently, because um, I think the the experiences I was given since then, and I mean, there's never failures, but the hardships that you kind of go through when you play sports, or even just golf professionally, you kind of everyone runs into roadblocks and I don't think there's any roadblocks through the way that I say, Oh, I regret going through that path or say, Hey, Nick, you should have done this. I don't think I'd tell him anything. I just kind of say, um, head down, keep doing what you're doing and like having fun playing baseball, but also, um, working hard and, um, just learning from those experiences. I think, uh, I I think it's hard for me to just say one thing. And I know that's not a great answer, but, um, Honestly, I'm just blessed that I was, you know, I played baseball as long as I did and um, didn't stick to golf, uh, you know, early on. I'm just I'm glad I went through all my travel baseball years and didn't quit quit playing baseball because there's times where I thought about quitting baseball just to give up for golf. And I'm proud of the summers that I spent playing double headers and 18 hole golf tournament one day. 
So, so was it was it pretty much golf and baseball for you, or was it other sports there too? It was pretty much just golf and yeah. baseball. I played basketball in middle school, but I mean, it was golf and baseball. And summers would include tons of baseball, maybe 40, 50 games in a summer with twelve tournaments of golf. Well, I, you had a pretty. I mean, just I, I don't. I can't rattle it off, but you had a pretty really good you know, young amateur career, AJGA stuff. And obviously in high school, when did you hang up baseball? Uh, going into high school, going freshman into high year school. high school. Yeah, I, I, it was, I almost quit baseball maybe when I was 11 or 12, yeah. but I'm glad I didn't because I got to experience Cooperstown. I got to experience. Oh, did you play in the Little League World Series? Uh, no, no, oh, okay. no. But when I was 12, oh, I went Omaha. over to Cooperstown with this team. And uh, yeah, yeah. yeah we, we played, you know, played in Cooper, Cooperstown. That, that was so cool. An experience that. Um, I always remember, but uh, I'm just glad I went through with baseball until high school. So I played baseball my whole life. I didn't start playing golf till I graduated high school. Play, started in, in 19, and like I am still to this day. I'm I will be 39 in a few months. I am still fighting this over the top baseball casting move. Like I gotta. Is that why like you guys? Because I talked to another guy similar. You know, kind of quit baseball, hung up baseball, going into high school to focus on golf. Is that really the biggest reason why, or is it just more, you just want to dedicate more time to that sport? I absolutely agree with you. I, I have habits that I uh, battle in my golf swing that are definitely D. related to baseball. Like I, I get narrow with my hands on the downswing and I tend to get a little steep with the club plane. Yep. And that, that's baseball right there. Like when you're going through the hitting, you know, when you're, when you're keeping the bat as long as you can in the zone, that's what you have to do. You have to keep your hands kind of in close yep. to the body. And you're really just keeping that bat in the zone as long as possible. And when you're a golfer, you almost you want kind of want the opposite on the downswing. You want your hands and especially right elbow almost like as as long and extended as possible to keep that width. Yeah. And especially with the long clubs like a driver, because you're trying to swing up on it, um, you can't be narrow. And so I'm always fighting, staying staying wide with my right arm and keeping those hands almost away from me and um, doing a lot of work with turning with your body. So it's, that's, that's really the one thing. I, I think there's a lot of things that go to correlate well with uh, baseball and golf swing, but that's one thing that I always fight through. Yep. Well, hopefully one day I can figure it out. You've obviously figured it out. Speaking of baseball, how cool is this? I mean, I know you're obviously you're an Illinois guy. I went to, you know, born and raised in Illinois, played college golf, University of Illinois. It looks like you're a pretty big Chicago sports fan. The, the the Bears, the Cubs. You get to throw out the first pitch at the Cubs game. Where you, uh, I'm sure you were nervous a little bit. But any any other like untold kind of interesting moments about how that whole thing went down? Back to Nick Hardy in just a second. But before that, have you subscribed to our two free weekly emails? One that drops on Tuesday, heavy petting. One that drops on Wednesday. It's the big boy. It's the boldest piece of content in the golf betting and DFS streets. The chalk bomb hits your inbox every Wednesday that there's a PGA Tour event. These emails are free. They go out to thousands of subscribers, and if you're not getting them, you're losing an edge. On Tuesday, we're dishing out the 10 facts. We're dishing out the things you have to remember about the golf course, about some of the the way the course is going to be set up and play. You get our, our prize picks lock of round one for Thursday. And then on Wednesday, you get the head-to-head matchup analysis, what that means for betting, and also what does it tell us about DFS and possible leverage and pivot points. And then, of course, the chalk bomb itself, along with weather predictions, weather wave advantages, all that good stuff. So subscribe to these two weekly emails. They're free. They can hit your inbox every Tuesday and Wednesday. If, it's a, you know, if, if, it, if it comes to your inbox in a week, you don't really, you're not excited about, no big deal. Just don't read it that week. But we send out like 40 of these things a year. And they're hot. 
You can subscribe in the description uh, of this podcast. Look below for the Chalk Bomb and Heavy Petting links, or you can go to tourjunkies.com slash Chalk Bomb and subscribe. Once you subscribe, you get both of them. You don't have to subscribe to each. You get both once you subscribe. Knock that out. Uh, it's free, it's easy, and it's an edge. All right, back to Nick Hardy. Yeah, well, um, I was so nervous. Uh, it's uh, probably equal to my first U.S. Open, first tee nervous. Like, um, that was definitely equal to that. I, I was really nervous because I, I didn't want to screw up and miss the, you know, miss the plate or anything. Yeah. Uh, but uh, no, that that was such an, a cool a cool experience. It kind of happened through um, me getting a spot at the time. I had no status. I got a spot in the Corn Ferry event in Chicago. And uh, my manager kind of knew the guy who um, coordinates throwing out the first pitch at the, at the Cubs game. And in order for me to help get a spot at the tournament, he parlayed that with, hey, Nick can throw out the first pitch at the, at the Cubs game and kind of have an advertisement for the tournament. And so um, that kind of that's how it happened. Um, I would say, like, I kind of <laughs> selfishly, I kind of wish I had a little more success as a pro golfer before I did that because. Um, I felt like, Hey, like I haven't really proved myself like, yeah. and I get to, I get to go throw the first pitch at a cup game. Like right now, like I'd rather have done it after I actually won something, but, um, no, I was proud of it. And it was a really cool moment. So where'd the pitch go? It was like, it was well inside to a righty batter, but I threw it pretty hard, which is definitely something I'm proud of. You jammed him up a little bit. I've got, I've got a good arm. Good, good. Okay. All right. All right. This next one. What what in the world is happening here? It looks like you have your caddy on your shoulders, and I'm trying to figure out what that would be for. So please tell the story. Oh this is a great. I mean, this is hilarious. At the time, my caddy and I, Eric, uh, we're playing the Illinois Open, and as you can see, those reeves are so tall. They are. Yeah, you look. You're playing so like, a field of dreams. Yes. Yeah. So like <laughs> the pin and the the green was like blind because of those reefs, because the green was like over water and to the right. So wow. in order for us to get a clean line of the, using the, we were allowed to use range finders in this tournament. So in order to use the range finder, we would have had to go like 50, 60 yards to the left and have to like get a horizontal line with my ball to make sure that we are correct. And so I'm like, Hey, Eric, just get on my shoulders and shoot uh, you know, the, the range finder above the reefs. And so we, we, we succeeded. We got, uh, we got him above the Reeves and he shot from my shoulders and it, it worked. Have you, I mean, I've never seen anyone do that before. Have you, had, were other guys doing it from that position on that hole? Or? No, nobody was. <laughs> it was a really creative idea. That was very funny. Yeah. I think this next one might be my favorite. This is the last one. I think this is my favorite. Yeah. Bro. <laughs> Bro. We got to talk about this one. I love this. I love the caption. Groundhog saw our arms, booked it back to his hole. And Nick's, <laughs> Nick's front and center flashing the flashing the guns this is a great picture i just thought this was funny there's probably not a story i just thought it was funny yeah no that's a funny picture i uh dylan dylan got me to post a lot of stuff on instagram during our college years that i would normally have posted he he calls me an introvert and he helped get me uh to post some things that i definitely wouldn't have he's posted. the he's the one with the glasses right yeah, yeah he, he was in yeah. a lot of your pictures it looked like dylan like took over your instagram feed for a month or absolutely two. did i mean <laughs> I would have posted a lot of these things, but Dylan's like, oh, dude, you got to post this. This is funny. And uh, yeah, no, it was, <laughs> it's a funny picture. Uh, okay. I love it. All right. That was fun. That was fun to do. Thanks for being a good sport there. Let's get back to, uh, let's talk a little bit. Uh, let's talk a little golf. Um, you know, our, we have a pretty educated listener viewer base because 
every single week, like 43 weeks a year, we're breaking down the field, breaking down the tournaments, no matter what tournament it is. We're going deep. We're trying to, you know, learn about different guys, guys that a lot of people have heard of, guys they haven't. Um, and, and I think you're a guy that most of our listeners would say they're familiar with, but maybe talk a little bit about um, how you see, like, your game and, and beyond the stats and beyond what the stats say. But, like, what does Nick Hardy feel confident in? What, what are your, your biggest weapons in terms of your game translating on the PGA Tour? And maybe those things that, you know, you're trying to improve on, you, you know, are possibly holding you back from, like, getting to that next level. And then I want to talk about your season a little bit this past year. Yeah. Um, I would say start off by, you know, my most confident area of the game for sure is my driving. And, um, you know, now this is a good question to ask, good time to ask it because I've gone through my stats and I know my stats, but I also nice. know personally where I'm confident most. And, um, after seeing my stats, yeah, I'm, I'm a great driver of the golf. I think I finished top 40 in strokes getting off the tee. Um, I was surprised at how little fairways I hit this year, but, um, I'm very, I'm, I'm not missing fairways by much. Um, I would say my driver, I'm, I'm the most confident in my driver. And uh, I think that's, uh, that's really the, the anchor of my game. I, I hit it long, but not, not crazy long. Um, I think that I'm just an overall great ball striker. I hit a lot of greens in regulation. Uh, one thing I'm working on is just getting my proximities better. Because on the PGA Tour, you, you know, I obviously got tucked pins and firmer greens and tougher shells and areas that hit the ball close. But I, I would say I need to be a little more aggressive yep. uh, when the time is called. Um, and that was for sure. I've been in my wedge wedge game and my uh, proximities in my wedge game were not nearly good enough. So I think uh, I, I've started to see a lot of improvement in that, especially through Corn Ferry Finals. Um, that's something that I hope will be a lot better going into this year and will help me a lot. And I've always been a great putter. Um, my putting stats were not as good as I wish they were, um, but I, I, I am, I've turned a corner of my confidence in my putting the last, I would say six months since I got hurt. Um, that's been huge. So yeah, the areas I need to work on are short game wedge game, but as a, as a ball striker comes, I feel like I'm one of the best in the world. Yeah. And I mean, definitely shows out looking at the stats. And again, we, we dig pretty deep into this stuff. Um, you know, the total driving factor and strokes gain off the tee is a massively, it's arguably the most important stat on the PGA tour. Um, and you're obviously doing really well at that. And I did notice, I was looking at your proximity numbers before you came on and you gain so many strokes with long irons, right? And probably has a lot to do with your distance. Um, and you gain a lot of strokes with those, but then you see like a lot of red numbers and losing strokes with the 100 to 150 or 125 range. Um, so yeah, it makes, makes a lot of sense. Somebody told me, I can't remember who it was. I feel like it might've been Austin Goggert. He's a friend of ours. Um, Somebody like three or four months ago, I was talking to, and it was not on an interview or anything, but they were like, I think they had played a practice round or a real round with you or something. And we were talking about their day and they were like, I swear it might've been Goggart, but they were like, I don't know, but this dude, Nick Hardy can roll the freaking rock. Like he is a tremendous putter. And then I looked at your stats before this and I was like, you know, the the putting stats don't really show up like that. But Mm -hmm. I know sometimes we all know sometimes these stats can be extremely deceiving and if you're not being aggressive enough which i know i've also heard a lot of guys talk about like sometimes they have to learn that they that they're playing a little too conservatively if you're not being aggressive enough then you're not giving yourself you know as many looks as you probably need right exactly so i i um i kind of had a spell of like six months where i was really low on my confidence in putting it started with end of corn fairy last year and into really into through the west coast swing my putting was not good i think i was 
like 160th in strokes game putting for the first half of the season. And then hmm. once I got hurt, it gave me time to clear my mind and I was out a month and I putted. All I did was putt really. And I came out and I think I was first or second in strokes game putting at the U S open, which was huge, but I putted well really all summer. And I looked at my stats in depth and from 10 to 15 feet, I was well above make percentage average. I made about 36% of my putts from 10 to 15 feet. But then outside 20 to 25 feet, I was the lowest on tour. I made 4% of my putts from, I think, outside 25 feet or outside mm. 20 feet, which I, look, I took random stats like JT and Max Homa, and they were make percentage 11%. So 4% make percentage is significantly lower than yeah. 11%. And so I took that into account the last few weeks in, on the Corn Ferry Tour, and um, I talked to my manager about it. I'm like, I just got to be more aggressive from 25 feet. I got to go hit those putts four feet by. I can't just be like trying to yeah. drip them in. And I feel like it was, that was it because all of a sudden in the last few weeks on the corn ferry tour, I was making putts almost like one around at least from outside 25 feet, just by no, just by making that point to be more aggressive. Yep. That's interesting. And it's cool that you're kind of a stats guy. I mean, we're definitely stats data nerds with this stuff. And sometimes we talk to players who are really in, in deep on it. Sometimes we talk to players that don't really pay much attention to it, or they have a guy that does that freaking Harold Varner the third just a month ago was like, Oh, you, you know who my stats guys are? It's you guys. I listen to your stuff and I read your stuff. And I was like, um, so do you have a stats guy or is that you? No, I don't. Um, but where do you go to find all that? How do you, where do you go to get your data? Yeah. PJ tour, PJ tour links. They do like, it's great. You know, that's another perk of playing on the PJ tour is like, they give you totally in-depth strokes gain stats. Yeah. And I, Honestly, I really don't look at my stats throughout a year that much. Just after the season, yeah. I'm very, yeah. I'm very analyzed into those things. Like, and my manager, he he's the best. He helps give me all these like in depth stats and where I compare to the top twenty players in the world. And um, he's kind of figured out that you need one point five strokes gain above average on the PGA tour to be a top 20 player in the world. And it's like, where are you going to get those 1.5? Like some guys, most guys get at least half a shot from stroke scene off the tee yep. um, in the top 20. So like where, how do you, that, that's your pie out of those four categories. How do you get to one and a half? And I think throughout this year, I was only 0 0.2, 0 0.3. I think I may have been 0 0.3 or 0.4 strokes gained above average on the PGA tour, which is, not where I want to be. I would like to be closer to that 1.5. And it's like, how are you going to get to that? Yeah. So let's talk about this season really quick. I mean, I know you've already referenced the, the wrist injury. Um, you know, hopefully that's doing well. I mean, you've played since then. It seems to be doing well. Um, but maybe, I guess, like you kind of, you ended up being, and it, hell, it was so confusing with the live stuff. And you ended up being like kind of the one guy right outside the top 125, right? Mm -hmm. You were 126 when everything got said and done. But then you went to Corn Ferry Tour Finals, did your thing. So, hell, I'm confused as to like what is your like what's your status is is full status like and how's the wrist and all that? Yeah, so um, I did get hurt at uh, Louisiana. I I hit a shot in the final round, wedge shot, and I just felt a pop in my wrist, and it turned mm. out to be not as bad as I felt. I, I just like subluxated a tendon in my wrist, and I was out a month. And uh, I've got four medical starts, so yeah, it, it was a crazy summer because I started when I got hurt and started at RBC Canadian. I was not 194 on the FedEx Cup yeah. points list, yeah. and I was well behind. And I, you know, the summer season, yeah, it's like a summer season, but it's not really not that long. You really don't have much left of the season. No, nah. and um, 
So I was well behind the eight ball, but I played well for about a month. Um, I played well. I played all right at can- in Canada. I played well at the U.S. Open and Travelers. Travelers, and, yeah. Uh, the rest of the summer, I played all right, um, but it was just a lot of golf. And then I came into the last two weeks, last three weeks of the season, starting in Minneapolis, and I was just like starting to press a little bit. I'm like, I'm, I know I'm getting close. I know I'm playing well, but I feel like things got a little too. I made it. A, I placed a little bit too much of an importance on these last three events to to really do it. And uh, I think I learned a lot from those three weeks, and I learned a lot from this season. I mean, everybody there was tons of unknowns added to everything with all the you know live stuff and uh people leaving and yeah oh like people talking about it it's like all around you it's just outside noise and it's hard to put it away especially when you're on that bubble yeah um and i knew i was going to have medical starts but still it's like there's something the competitiveness in me is like i'm not going to rely on those medical starts no way i'm going to go get into that 125 again in the playoffs um but i think the last two weeks of that season i missed the last two cuts i just played so much golf i think i was tired but i also kind of mentally didn't go about it the right way and in terms of just dumbing it down and saying hey you're playing great golf relax and I learned a lot from that um and so like I took that away and I I I came over I came away with a great attitude going into the finals and more fairy finals and I just play great golf and I'm like you know what I'm not going to rely on whatever medical starts I have I'm not going to think about the guys going to live and it was hard honestly because like during that time, I, I I played well, boys. He finished fifteenth, and it's like okay, I still know I need more. I need more. But then all of a sudden, you get this Alan Shipmuck report where it's like seven guys are going to live, and I was one thirty two, and it's seven guys going to live, and I'm like okay, can't yeah. think about that. Yeah. Can't that gotta block tough, that man. out. Got to go play well in Columbus, and all of a sudden, I played great in Columbus, the second and third round. I find myself in the final group, and I just had the weirdest final round. I played bad, but I had to like. A lot of things just not go my way. And was that the um, playoff loss to Harry? Or was that no? Else? That was that was in uh, that was right when I came back off a of wrist injury. I'm okay. talking about Columbus during the finals. Oh it's yeah, like yeah. I had 77 in the final round, three putted the last hole, and all of a sudden, like I'm like still not locked up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and then that was that next day, that Monday, two weeks ago, where it's like six guys go to live instead of seven, and I'm like, oh well, I'm 126 now, so I still have work to do at the final tournament last week in Evansville to get my card. Yeah. And I uh, started off that first round, 500, 600 through 12 and finished like crap five over in the last six. And I'm like, I got to make this cut to make, to guarantee myself corn fairy status or corn fairy yeah. um, category status. So I do it. I play well last week, lock that up, feels a lot better, but now I have four medical starts to earn 0.6 points to get, uh, to re- recoup that 125 number. So my first four events, um, I basically make a cut and I'm, uh, yeah, you're I'm high in the major med quarter, magic, major medical category for the rest of the year, which guarantees me player championship and the invitational. So yeah, you're good. I think you'll be good. Yep. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so talk about, I mean, obviously you've had a loop around the PJ tour now. Like if you, as you look at the courses and obviously, you know, the goal is that like every week you tee it up, you, you, you believe you have a chance to win. Right. But what are the courses on the schedule? Uh, that you just look at and go like, man, I know that one is that one is my jam. That's the one that suits me the best or suits my eye or I feel the best about. It could even be a quarter. We, we ask guys this question all the time. They're like, believe it or not, it's the one I've missed the cut in the last four years. And I don't know why, but like, what are those courses for you that you just feel like, man, this is this could be like Nick Hardy's first win is this one or this one. I think I go straight to Torrey Pines. Mm-hmm. Um, I 
it's just that is like a, that's a type of ballpark I love, like U.S. Open yep. type courses. I love those. Courses. You love tough like, tracks. Like I was looking at your your performances. Yeah. I mean, made what three or five cuts in a U.S. Open with uh, T fourteen, T twenty seven, and those. It seems like you really like those tougher golf courses. Oh, I've always been well suited for tough golf courses, and uh, you know it goes back a long way. But I feel like Olympia Fields, like that was our home event. Yeah, in Illinois, I never won it, but I play well every year there. It's just the tough golf courses like that, the big ballparks with um, rough or tough, you know, tree line courses like that, old school courses, um, just to my game the best. It's like a driver's paradise and a ball striker's paradise. I, yeah, I uh, I feel like those mid irons, those tough golf courses, out of the, I'm I feel like I'm a really good player out of the rough. Um, it just really suits my game, and I didn't make the cut at Tory this year. I shot. I think I shot five or six under at the North course and then played not well in the South course the next day, but, um, that was not nearly a good, good head shape with my game or confident in my game at that point in time. And I feel like that's the type of course that I really play well at. What about courses that you just like, man, like, I, I hope I can like, like, let's say, you know, let's say you win next week. Are you playing in, are you playing in Napa? Yeah. All right. Let's say you win next week and you're like, sweet. Now I can like really pick my schedule. And these are the ones I am not going to the, the ones that you just don't, you're like, ah, I just don't know. That's the best for me. Um, I, I, it's hard for me to say, cause I really believe that I, can I know you do. Me. I know you like, do. uh, I, I will say not to dog one tournament or one course. I love the whole West coast swing. Love it. But if there was one tournament I wouldn't play, it'd probably be, um, Palm Springs just just because it's more of like a wedge fest with no wind and three different golf courses yeah um I just feel like I need to I need to get better and I will get better in my wedge game but yeah um I just feel like that is a type of golf course where it doesn't totally suit my game because there's not too much penalty off the tee one you can basically hit it anywhere and you, you got to go shoot 20 under. I mean, there's no, no doubt I can do that, but yeah, uh, I like a golf course where there's maybe a little bit of difficulty, difficulty off the tee at times. Um, but also, uh, where it's not like, you know, we're maybe where it's, we're going to have some seven irons and some five irons in the greens. Yeah. You, you also like statistically, and this could just be a small sample size, but statistically you put your strokes gain on POA is like way better than bent or Bermuda. And relative to everyone else on the PJ tour, is that like, is that, are you just really comfortable on, on POA? Whereas a lot of people hate it. That's something I noticed too. And I was shocked by it. But when I think about it, I, I, I putt, um, with kind of a really high, uh, up attack angle. Mm. And I think that's why, because I get the ball rolling by maybe getting, hitting a little more up on it than most people with putting. And I think that really helps on point of greens um, because obviously a lot of times in point of greens, you get the unevenness of surface. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, I think that's why. Interesting. All right. So now let's have a little more fun here. We've talked enough golf. We're going to end on some fun stuff. Uh, our show has a, you know, uh, our, we're, we're, we're biggest fans of this next guy. And I ask everybody that comes on the show, if you've had encounters with, Siwoo Kim, and if you have any good Siwoo Kim stories, <laughs> I don't have any great Siwoo stories. But I did play with Rakshon with him. Um, I think at Palm Springs this year. Okay. Uh, we randomly met up on the first tee, 
but uh he couldn't have been a nicer guy i just i don't i wish i had a story about it but it was just it was a fun day we just played nine holes together and um got to know him but i unfortunately don't have any siwoo stories okay well this is what i say to anybody who doesn't have those i just say hey take just i'm just just a piece of advice from a guy from a weird podcaster guy that you just met uh siwoo kim is pure electricity and you just create moments with siwoo okay whether that's you know, if he's sitting by himself at a table at breakfast, go have a seat. If you get a chance to play another practice round, do it. If you're paired up with him, just like pay attention. He, he's, we've heard countless stories from players and caddies. Matt Naismith, Matt Naismith just said he's the funniest guy on the PGA Tour. <laughs> Siwoo Kim is, you need to do it. Just, just trust him. Okay. <laughs> I believe it. I've, seen, I've watched him throw clubs on TV yeah. and it yeah. just doesn't look like he cares. Actually, the, he obviously really cares. the putter that he broke at the Masters on 15 a couple years ago is right you probably can't see it, but it's it's laying on top. See the top end of that putter? Yeah. The grip, it's right on top of that. Um, anyway. Did he give that to you? No, uh, but I, we're such big fans of him. Uh, I mean, we literally worship him. Our best-selling piece of merchandise is a Siwoo Kim t-shirt, uh, and we talk about him all the time. That uh, like Some guy, I guess, dug it out of the trap. I don't even know, I don't even know how he got it, but he just messaged me on instagram and was like dude i got the top half of siwoo's putter if you want it i'll give it to you and i was like how much and he said i'll ship it to you for free i was like hell yeah and it is siwoo's putter i've confirmed it with him it's his that's amazing i'd love to have the other the bottom half of it but i don't know if i'll ever get it all right a couple of uh weird just random questions to get to know nick hardy if you could uh if you could punch a celebrity in the face without any consequence who you who you punching celebrity just famous person with no consequence I got to think about this one. You're going to have to cut some time here. Of course. No um, gosh. Um, you could like totally Will Smith somebody on, on a Chris Rock. Like if you could just, except he had consequences, I guess. Oh, gosh. This is, I don't know. Um, you're really putting me on the spot here. All you nice golfer guys, you just you can't you can't make yourself. I don't like. I don't think about this though. Like I, I, I don't think about. I know, but you're supposed to, you're supposed to get like the first name that comes to your to your mind, for whatever reason. Uh, like who has a punchable, who who punchable. annoys you? Who do you, who do you think, Lindsay? It could be an athlete. Um. Oh, who's it that? It could be anybody. Yeah, it could be anybody. Oh, man. Like, I think, I think about a guy like, like Bryce Harper, you know, like, mm-hmm. if, again, without consequence, because then if, if Bryce Harper would kick my ass, but yeah. just without consequence, that guy is very punchable. <laughs> is, who's Lizzie? Is that your fiance, your wife? Yeah. 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 All right. I got While you're thinking of that, here's another question. Are y'all married yet? I know you're engaged, right? We're engaged. Okay. So I've been married for a while. I love asking guys this question too. What's the, what's the one thing that you do on a daily basis, almost daily basis, regular basis, that annoys the shit out of her? That, that maybe like you wouldn't find, you, you, if I had asked you like 10 years ago, do you, you know, is this annoying? You'd be like, no. But what's, there's always one thing that people do. Like HV3 said she gets mad at him because he leaves his dip shavings in the sink. Like, God, God dang it. You know? Don't be a barbarian. There are definitely things I know you with every day. What is that one? Oh, I, I don't flush the toilet. <laughs> when, 
when I when I pee. Okay, okay? thank God. Okay. Yeah, no, I I literally refuse when I when I go to the bathroom to do number one. Are you I a water conservationist or what are we doing? Yeah, it's. I mean, it's maybe part of that. Like, why waste a flush when it's just <laughs> when your pee is ninety three percent water? Like, what what is the difference? And mine doesn't usually smell, so it's like. Yeah. A lot of urine talk with Nick Hardy today. That's cool. Have you figured <laughs> out? Uh, have you figured out who you're punching in the face yet? Curtis Thompson. Curtis Thompson, the golfer. Yeah. <laughs> What's the story behind that? Y'all probably boys. Yeah, we're. Oh, yeah. I mean, we are, but I just—he's got a punchable face too. And <laughs> okay. No consequence. I know he could kick my ass, but like he's yeah. just like he's just. We were partners at Zurich, and I mean, yeah. Like he'll bother you. <laughs> Your partners with him at Zurich? I didn't know that. Oh yeah. Um. All right. Well, I was I was gonna ask you this one, but I don't know if I should with with Lizzie in the room. I was gonna ask you your celebrity hall pass. I don't know if that would get you in trouble. It might. Um. <laughs> uh, Nikki Heaton probably. Who's that? I <laughs> she no was a that. singer. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even say it. Lizzie said it. Oh oh she she said it for you. I yeah, gotta, she said it for me. I just heard her say it. I'm like, yeah, that's a good one. Actually. I got to look up Nikki Heaton. Um, all right, favorite funny movie? Um, definitely. It's got to involve Will Ferrell. Mm-hmm. I think I love Step Brothers. Yep. My favorite funny movie involves Will Ferrell. It's The Other Guys. That's a great one. Also, I caddied for Will Ferrell one time. Really? Yeah. Where? At Augusta Country Club. Great, great story. It's too long to tell you now, but I'm a huge Will Ferrell fan. Are you a podcast listener? Do you listen to anything? What do you like to listen oh, yeah. to? Mm-hmm. What's on your What's in your library? Well, right now, it's all football. You know, fantasy football. Big Bears. fantasy football guy. Oh yeah, nice. All right, I just had a couple drafts. You're a Bears fan, so I mean, ugh. outlook not so yeah, great there, right? It's, it's miserable, but I I endure all of it. You probably waited. You probably waited till the late rounds to grab Cole Komet. That was probably like the most viable value for I your- like him, but I didn't. I didn't grab him. I, I played in two leagues. I didn't grab him in either one. I, really? I like him, but I, I just – the Bears' offense is going to be not fun. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Um, are you good at fantasy football? You ever won? Yeah. yeah. Okay. You play, who do you play in a league with, just like college buddies or – High school buddies, and then I actually am in one with <laughs> Gogs. <laughs> awesome. You're in with Goggart? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. We nice. – uh, we talk a lot of crap to each other. Well, I'm sure. I'm yeah. sure. Are you on that Call of Duty train too with those guys? You play Call of Duty a lot. I love Call of Duty. I would be addicted, but I don't. I literally, I don't allow myself to get an Xbox. And if I got one, Lizzie would throw it out. For yeah, sure. let me just tell you, that was like a big. That was major problems in our, in my marriage year one. I'll tell you that. Um, <laughs> also, Siwoo Kim, big Call of Duty guy. So, oh god. So maybe if best. you're on the road, if you're on the road, you could like go to Goggart's room and. Just try to get a line up something with Siwoo. Um, are you are you a YouTube guy? Watching any YouTube channels? Anything like what's what's your favorite? No, stuff to watch? not really. Okay. No. Okay. Uh, all right. The last thing I got, and and I don't know if you saw the email, but we you know I asked about two truths and a lie. So uh, yeah, so you're gonna tell me two things true about you, one thing that is a lie. I'm gonna try to guess the lie. Hit me. Okay. Um. I've um. I've turned orange eating too many carrots. <laughs> um, I have, um, 
I I drink coffee every day, and I uh, my favorite sport growing up was NASCAR. Mm, okay. Turned orange eating carrots is interesting. You, you're you are an an Illini guy. What what is an Illini? What does that even mean? By the way, it's an old Indian tribe. I don't ask me any more questions though. Oh God! That. Oh God! They're still allowed to do that, um, dude. I mean, we we got rid of the chief like what in two thousand five. Oh, you did? Yeah. So like you know that that was you know. I think offensive to the Native American culture, yeah. so that's why they got rid of it. But they got rid of it a long time ago. Man, I, I would have never guessed that. I, I just thought like that it was like it wasn't our it wasn't our mascot, but it was uh, our symbol. I think we called it a symbol, uh, and so we would like celebrate it during you know half times of games and stuff. Yeah, but, um, yeah, that went away a long time ago. I've always wondered what the hell is in a line Um, okay, so turned orange eating carrots. Uh, drink coffee every day. You don't strike me as a coffee drinker. I think the coffee drinker is the lie. You're right. I, I oh, am a coffee yes. drinker. Oh, you are? You're, you're right. I am a coffee drinker, though. I'm drinking one right now. I just don't drink it every day. I, I probably, I mean, I only drink it when I'm really not playing golf. What are you talking about? You turned orange as a kid when you ate carrots a lot or something? Yes. That's the, yes. That's the only thing I was like, okay, that might be true. Only uh, thing I ate was carrots and apricots when I was one year old, and I, I turned bright orange, and my parents <laughs> took me to the doctor freaking out. <laughs> You yeah. must be the oldest. Are you the oldest? I am. Yeah, that's why. I have three younger sisters. Um, a NASCAR guy, huh? You still you still a NASCAR guy? I am not a NASCAR guy anymore, but yeah, I was a massive NASCAR guy. I would I would watch I would watch the qualifying races when I was like ten years old. I would watch everything. I would I Jeez. would sit in the I would watch I would get every newspaper clipping of the starting forty three every weekend and that's all I'd watch. Yeah. Sick. So my my favorite numbers, three favorite numbers are three, eight, and twenty-four. Three for Dale Earnhardt, eight for Junior, Junior twenty-four Jeff for Gordon. Gordon. Gordon was my favorite, but uh, those are my favorite numbers to this day because of NASCAR. Nice, nice. Listen, man, uh, very interesting stuff. We appreciate you being on the Tour Junkies podcast. Obviously, your homework is to create Siwoo Kim moments and then report back. Report back to us, okay? Slide in my DMs or something and let me know when you when something hits because it'll hit. I promise you. Um, is there any like leeway for him to like if, if hey if I offer him to go take him to a dinner spot? What's his favorite food or something? Yeah, I mean I I definitely stalk him on Instagram a good bit. He loves to eat. He he's one of those. Um, if you watch his stories, phone eats first for Siwoo. You know what I mean? He's very constantly taking pictures of his of his meals. Um, and I feel like I see a lot of good steak. You know, he just likes a good old steakhouse. So I think you okay, can hit him with that. That's good. That's easy. Um, he, he complained in Scotland. He, he posted a picture in Scotland, uh, I think, during the Scottish Open, uh, bitching about no Starbucks. Um, so he <laughs> likes Starbucks. So you can invite him on a Starbucks date. That would be he's sick. So mainstream. He's so mainstream. He's, yeah, he's, he's very basic. He's, he's, a basic yeah. uh, he's a basic bitch, see who is. Um, but yeah, try try some of that. I don't know, man. I'm just telling you, you will you will not regret it. And ask around, ask around. Be like, hey, you ever had any funny things with Siwoo? And you'll, I promise you, you'll get it. Some of you rookies, I've been asking a lot of the rookies. I get it. Y'all don't have a lot of interaction with them. But another year on tour, I guarantee you, something happens. You're like, damn. <laughs> um, so that's the homework, man. And yeah, other than that, man, play great. Uh, have have a good year. We'll see you out there, and would love to have you back on the show sometime. 
Thank you very much for having me. I enjoyed it, guys.